welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And man, do we got a show lined up for you. We have got my buddy, Stephen Lazen, in person, in studio. Stephen and I went about an hour and a half breaking down the Athlon Sports Preview Magazine's predictions on the SEC. We went so long that uh, we're going to span it into two episodes. And I think you guys are, are really going to get a lot out of this conversation. Stephen is the first time he's ever done a in-studio appearance like this. I, we both had the magazine, the Athlon Sports Magazine, in our hands. And I just thought we'd cover it. You know, as you're sitting there looking at your Athlon, page by page, going across the SEC, like I said, I mean, he is instrumental in putting that thing together. So to be able to pick his brain while sitting there reading the Athlon, going page by page, I just thought it would make for a, a fantastic interview and it exceeded all my expectations. So again, we're going to hit the SEC East heavy on this episode. Tomorrow's show, we're going to do the SEC West. Same deal. We're just going to span this two episodes. It was that good content. But uh, let's kick it over to our interview with Stephen Lazen of Athlon Sports. Don't uh, seem too stiff. Like I <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good, brother. I, I just appreciate you coming through. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, hey, we're here. Stephen Athlon. Oh, Stephen Athlon. <laughs> Pretty much the way it is. <laughs> Stephen Lassen, Athlon Sports. Senior editor is your title. One of the men that makes the Athlon magazine my go-to preseason college football magazine. I can't thank you enough, Stephen, for – I believe you were telling me this is your first in-person interview ever. It is. I apologize for all the subscribers you might lose after the show. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good to be here, man. You know, you and I have talked uh, for years about the SEC on your podcast, and uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here talking to you and getting ready to preview the season. The magazine's out, so, yeah. hey, talking season is here. It's Good and time. Before we get into uh, the SEC, which is, of course, why you're here to talk SEC football, can you tell the audience, I love what you're doing on your YouTube channel, uh, how can they find you on there and the, the unique content, what you're trying to do there? Yeah, absolutely. So in addition to everything we're doing at Athlon Sports with the Cover 2 podcast, um, I have my own YouTube channel. It's Stephen L. CFB on YouTube right now. You have to search for it. I need a, need a few more subscribers <laughs> to get to that mark. Uh, but, yeah, just trying to give – more college football content, um, you know, when you we can only cover so much on the website and the magazine, mm -hmm. on the podcast. So trying to just go a little deeper on certain subjects and team previews. Got a lot of other things coming this offseason. So Stephen L. CFB on YouTube. But appreciate yeah, anybody a, checking it out. You're doing a great job with that. You just launched it recently. So you've only got a handful of videos up. But you can tell the, the, the effort you put into the, the website, the magazine, it's there on your YouTube channel. So I think you're off to a great start. We, I try to go in depth. I think is there's, there's never, um, you know, when you write a story or you do a podcast or something, I think going in depth is one of my things. My favorite things about college football is that, you know, we can talk surface level that Georgia and Alabama right. are going to be good. Uh, but you know, the rest of college football, and I think this is a broader point is, you know, there's so much attention on one through four, but we miss all the things that happen five through 60 in the rest of college football, the middle of the East and, you know, the SEC, uh, Pac-12, Big 12. So 
I, my goal with all this is to be in depth and encompassing and cover all 131 teams and try to cover some teams maybe that don't get enough attention as well. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of that, Stephen, this has got to be the only opportunity someone has got to sit down with someone that's put together the Athlon Sports Magazine in person. We both are sitting here looking at the magazine. We got it handy dandy right here. So I just thought we'd kind of basically go team by team as laid out in the magazine to talk about uh, these teams. So let's start with the SEC East. How's that sound? That sounds great. Yeah, let's start there. So Florida Gators, they open uh, the Athlon Magazine, of course, being out of the East. And Billy Napier, first year, this is a, a very difficult team to read with the coaching turnover, the player turnover. Uh, I think early on the recruiting you know, some fans are right now, we're, we're recording in June. The honeymoon period is still there, yeah. <laughs> right, right. So they did well at, to end recruiting. Maybe we'll see some of those young players uh, on the field. I know we're going to see a, a bunch of the transfers. Absolutely. So these are these are tough things to kind of gauge in a year one. But let me ask you this, because I've been pumping up Anthony Richardson. I know you're a fan too. Definitely. But let's say, you know, I don't want to put too much expectations on the guy, but he, in my mind, could be a, you know, we see guys like Johnny Manziel, Marcus Mariota, Cam Newton, that just kind of, you know, really take that big leap. And maybe even like a, a K.J. Jefferson-like leap Perfect. from last season. He's that type of player. Uh, I think to start there, you know, Billy Napier is a, you know, I think he's a great hire for Florida. And we've seen this so far with what he's done on recruiting. We'll see that. And he's, you know, hired you know, 500 assistants to do, you know, in the <laughs> off-field role. But that's the Georgia-Alabama approach. And it's not going to be an overnight turnaround for Napier of Florida, but Richardson is one of those players that you could see we haven't projected, uh, you know, outside the top 25 in the magazine. But if he has the type of season that, you know, with the potential that he showed in a limited time last year, I think averaged over eight yards a play. The big plays were there. Mm -hmm. You just want to see the more consistency from game to game, pass to pass consistency, and then the turnovers that we saw out of Florida's passing game last season. So I think there's a lot of untapped potential. And we saw this with Napier at Louisiana. The quarterback there, a lot of quarterback rollouts. They did a lot of things to make easy reads for the quarterback. It's very friendly uh, for that for this type of player, for Anthony Richardson, his mobility and things. So I think this offense will fit him well. I also think Napier, one thing to watch that he did at Louisiana, they played a lot of close games. So mm -hmm. don't be surprised if that team plays close games and Richardson could be one of the differences in getting over the hump in some of them. Right, because just the way the roster lays out, it, it kind of looks like they're going to go ground and pound. Which, yeah, you know, that was their style at Louisiana. They're going to try to help that defense. And then, like, to your point, in these close games, you need a marquee playmaker. You know, that's going to be the difference when they play Kentucky, Tennessee. Uh, you know, many of these teams, they're, they're, mar they're matching up with South Carolina in the East. You know, if he's the difference, you know, that's the difference between a winning and losing a, a game. And let me ask you right out the gate, Utah, because I – Man, I bet when Florida fans scheduled that, they didn't think, well, we're going to get a top 10 Utah coming into town. There's no no way for you to answer this, but, you know, how Florida will look in that game. But maybe you can provide some insight for the Florida fans into uh, what type of team is rolling into town in the opener with, uh, with Utah. Top 10 good. Uh, won the Pac-12 last year, just dominated Oregon in that Pac-12 championship game. They almost won the Rose Bowl. They bring back pretty much um, – Everybody off that team, Devin Lloyd was a linebacker, got drafted. They will miss him. Cam Rising is back at quarterback. One thing about Utah is they are always well coached, especially along the line of scrimmage. And even though they have some turnover there, 
we think they're going to be fine. I think they're the team to beat in the Pac-12 this year. And I think – but one thing for Florida fans is that you're catching them in the first game of the year. Mm-hmm. You have the element of surprise on Florida's behalf because – we don't really know what this team is going to look like, to, to your point. Uh, I think when you study Florida, maybe some of the things that I'm interested in, too, just, you know, the, we, the all-conference team for, the, for us at Athlon Sports isn't necessarily the, uh, the end-all, be-all when it comes to talent, the SEC. But you see the, you know, the question marks at receiver for Florida, some of the offensive line and defensive line. That's where Utah can challenge them, especially right along the line of scrimmage. So first game works in Florida's favor, but this is a very good Utah team that's coming to Gainesville. And if I'm a Gator fan, I got to be hoping it's hot, it's muggy, it's humid. Utah ain't going to be handled that too well. You know what I mean? Right. But, but so I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, put uh, water out on, on enthusiasm, but let's just say that Utah does win that football game. If you're a Florida fan, you're not freaking out based on the caliber of, of Utah, right? Not at all. This is a, a, a Utah team that can make the college football playoff. So there's no shame at all if you're Florida in losing this game, especially with Kentucky coming up the next yeah, week. I mean, that's you, the one I really wanted to ask you about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry to, to, to over to go uh, over here, but yeah, I, I mean, for Florida, to me, this is not a you know a team that should be shooting for the SEC's title. It's a team that it's a foundation year. And we'll see where Napier continues to stack things going forward. This first game will give them a good test, especially Kentucky and then Tennessee after that. So I think if, if you're Florida, it's one of those measuring stick opportunities right. just to see where you are against a top 10 team. And so that week two matchup, so pivotal, pivotal, <laughs> pivotal with, uh, you know, everybody and their mother at this point, unless you're a, a diehard Gator, they're circling that game and saying, well, you know, I like Kentucky to go down there. I mean, imagine a world where we're, picking Kentucky to win in Gainesville, I think Billy Napier and company, they're going to be using that all off season. And I think if you just, you know, did a blind test, roster A, roster B, I think most people are going to pick Florida's roster over Kentucky. Now, of course, they got continuity in Lexington and, and everything they got going for them. I'm not trying to downgrade them, but is it wild to think that, uh, you know, there, there's people, Athlon included, and I, I know it's not just one game you're going off of here, but you do got Kentucky higher than Florida in your preseason picks. I th- I feel like that's motivation for the Gators to kind of come out here and set the tone earlier. And there's there's a reason Dan Mullen. There's there's many reasons Dan Mullen's not yeah. there anymore. <laughs> but big reason he lost to Kentucky twice, and that showing last year, that was basically the beginning of the end. So I think this Florida team's going to be really motivated to come out uh, and kick some ass week two. What what's your thoughts on that? Totally agree with you. I, I think it's only week two, but it's also pretty pivotal for the SEC East. I mean, we'll get a pretty good idea of where Florida is after playing Utah and Kentucky. And then for Kentucky, you know, I, I like this Kentucky team, and, and I know we'll get to them. But, you know, there are some questions with this team. So if you're Florida, you start out 2-0, and and you pick off Utah, you pick off uh, Kentucky, and all of a sudden that some of these concerns that we had come into the season, like how does the offensive and defensive lines look, uh, the playmakers at receiver and running back, how do all those look? So I think if nothing else, it's a huge you know, measuring stick opportunity in, in both those games, but we're going to learn a lot about personnel, mm-hmm. and we always see you know, surprises. We, you know, our SECE standings, you know, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Florida are close together. It wouldn't surprise me if Florida – finish second I think it'd probably be a five and three you know four right. and four type situation so that second game against Kentucky is going to tell us a lot about the and one other game I really want to because this, this is one of my talking points Stephen but we got uh, at LSU middle of the season October 16th and I think you know what 
I think this is just something that uh, all people like you and I and the fans, you look at the schedule and you're like, oh, it's at LSU. Probably going to lean the Tigers on that one. But the way I look at it, you know, it's, it's, it's no secret. Billy Napier, he wanted that job. And they didn't even really consider him for reasons I can't even get a straight answer out of anybody. So I think this game's a lot more personal to Billy Napier and the Florida Gators. And, hey, I think Brian Kelly's a hell of a coach. But, you know, I, there's a learning curve in the SEC. And I think he's going to learn real quick in the SEC. Florida, even though this game may be going away when we get rid of divisions, this is a heated, heated rivalry. And I think there's a there's an outstanding chance that Florida – wins that football game against LSU this year. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, first of all, there's a lot of toss-up swing games in the middle of the SEC this year. Right. With you know, I think when you – it's no secret Georgia and Alabama and Texas A&M are probably going to be everybody's top three. But it's that middle of the SEC once you get into the Tennessee, Kentucky, Florida, Ole Miss, Arkansas debate. So these type of games, I think, will not only give us some clarity as to who's going to be you know, kind of emerging out of that pack – uh, but you're absolutely right. I mean, I think the coaching search at LSU, you know, there's no secret that Scott Woodward you know, likes to go, uh, you know, big big game fishing and go out there right. with a big name. So uh, I think that certainly played into it. But Napier is a heck of a hire for Florida. I think when you look at the foundation of what he's done so far, like that's the type of approach, especially in recruiting uh, staff building that you need to keep up with the Alabama and Georgia. And I think he's off to a good start. And, and kind of like we, we've talked about, it's a foundation year. So those type of games, you can pick some of those Kentucky and LSU off. All of a sudden, you know, we haven't projected at 7-5, to five, but 8-4 and four wouldn't surprise me at all in, in finishing mm-hmm. like in that back half of the top 25. And I just realized I screwed up. This was the first, I screw up about a dozen times on a podcast. I, I was looking at 2021. They're, they host LSU. so At Texas A&M, though. Right. Well, that's true. But uh, that that's a personal one, too, because uh, – because of the COVID year, you know what? Yeah. So that should be a hell of a game. But moving on to uh, to Georgia, the reigning national champions, of course. Uh, not a lot of questions. Yeah. I mean, what, what, a do, lot you, yeah, what replace, do you say about Georgia, you know? They've arguably got the best roster maybe this side of Alabama in the country. I mean, I, I don't know where you're at with Ohio State, but, you know, right there they look like everybody is going to be picking them to win the SEC East, and for good reason. Uh, my only question really is, you know, do they have that drive? Do they have that hunger? I mean, I think Kirby's saying all the right things, and people point at the fact that he was at Alabama and they were able to do it. But that means nothing to me because these players have not been where they're at right now at the top of the mountain and, and everybody telling them how great they are. They've been getting pats on the back for months and months and months. So how hard are they working behind the scenes? We're going to find out real quick with this game, Oregon, what can you tell us about Oregon? And, and of course, we know Dan Lanning. We know Bo Nix, who I don't think he's been named starter yet, but it's it's most likely the starter right. for, for so, Oregon, yeah. you know, I, I don't want to say trap game right out the gate, but uh, what can you tell Georgia fans about Oregon and this opener they got? Yeah, I think when we did our Pac-12 predictions, they were the clear favorite in the North, and I think that holds true. The Pac-12 changed its conference championship game uh, rule, so – Oregon may not be the, the second-best team anymore in, in the Pats, so it could be USC. But that kind of gives you an idea. They're in that top 10 to 15 of college football, uh, a, a team that is uh, strong along the line of offensive line of scrimmage. They have Bo Nix, as you mentioned. There's familiarity with Dan Lanning, young skill talent on the outside of receiver, and some good running backs as well. The defense was 
Um, you know, not as good last year. They got pushed around against Utah. So that will be something to watch, I think, in that game is, you know, how does Oregon's offensive line handle that defensive front of Georgia? And then on the flip side of things, Georgia's offensive line should be very good this year. And so they should be able to kind of impose their will uh, on the Ducks' defensive front. There's no more Kayvon Thibodeau either who went right, to the right. draft. So this is a very good Oregon team. But I also think when you look at the top of college football, there's a clear elite class of <laughs> Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. Oregon's in that second tier. Well, looking at Georgia's schedule, is there one game in the SEC that looks like maybe there's an upset possibility? I mean, you know, I've already gone on record at South Carolina, so I bet Kirby's got that in the locker room, so they're going to probably beat the hell out of the Gamecocks just to – I can already – I'm just waiting for uh, – what's his name? Old Takes Exposed. Yeah, to come get us for later. Yeah. He's going to have a good good time that Saturday. But uh, any other teams uh, outside of the trip to Columbia that you see could give Georgia the most issue? You know, I think looking later in the season at Mississippi State, at Kentucky, mm -hmm. I, I, I will just be honest, I don't see any team here that will be – you know, and spread-wise, it will be within – 10 points of, of Georgia. It could be even a little bit higher. Uh, this team, I know that they only returned 10 starters. They lost a lot on defense. I'm not worried at all. I think they've reached that Alabama point to where they're just cycling through the next wave. I mean, Georgia fans know how good Jalen Carter is, Nolan Smith, Robert Beal, Keely Ringo. The rest of the nation's about to find out, and their offense could be even better this year. I mean, you, you, certainly there's some faces to replace at running back. We know that Georgia finds running backs. <laughs> uh, they're, they're, you know, Brock Bowers, Eric Gilbert, Washington at tight end. I mean, they're loaded at the skill talent. So I, I think this Georgia team, we've got them at 12-0 in the regular season. It's hard for me to, to find a loss. The only caveat in college football is that it is really hard to go unbeaten. As, as you were alluding to, it's hard to repeat. I mean, go back to the BCS era, and Alabama's the only team one time to go back-to-back. -back. So uh, Georgia's fighting history and they're also fighting some personnel turnover, but I'm not really that worried about the personnel turnover. Now, let me ask you one thing, though, Stephen, because we got here, as pointed out by Athlon, uh, Georgia faced an average distance of 5.86 yards to go, second shortest in all of college football, but converted only 44%, and we're talking third downs, which is 41st nationally. Now, they had an all-time great defense, and as also the magazine, of course, points out, it's not going to be as good. I mean, it would be impossible to be that good. Now, I'm not. They could still be the best in the yeah, SEC. I was going to say, yeah, you know what I mean? they, they gave up ten points a game <laughs> last year. That's a, that's really really elite. That could be just well, just fifteen this year. That's still first in the SEC. Exactly. But there may come a time where Stetson Bennett. I mean, I th when I look at that third down number, that to me says Stetson at times. You know, that guy gets too much heat for. He just won a national championship. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to bury him. And I'm saying, when's he gonna get benched? Like I was saying all last. Right. Season. <laughs> he's earned. He's earned that starting role. But does it, is that concerning at all? That, you know, maybe it is Mississippi State. Maybe it is at Kentucky. Maybe it is South Carolina, where he's got to convert on third down, particularly early in the season with that defense. Maybe they. I don't want to say they get in a shootout, but if they got to get to 28, 30 points to win a game. Any, uh, you know, what's your confidence level that Stetson will deliver? I think pretty high. Um, I think we saw this last year. I mean, he led the SEC in yards per attempt at 10. And we also saw this in the fourth quarter against Alabama. Um, I certainly think his upside is a little bit limited compared to some of the other quarterbacks in the SEC as far as um, talent. But at the same time, I mean, he, he delivered last year. And the skill talent that Georgia brings back at receiver, 
uh, with you know the tight ends like we talked about. It, it is certainly, I think, a concern. It's an area they can work on. But I think it also, to go back to what we were just talking about, who's going to push this team? That's That's the question in the East is that, even if Georgia regresses a little bit, which team can jump up and take that step? And it's really hard to see Kentucky, Florida, Tennessee being able to do that because you probably need Georgia to lose twice. Right. Maybe they can stumble once, like you said, at South Carolina uh, or maybe at Kentucky. But losing twice, that seems like a lot to ask. There, are, I think maybe the best way to look at this is they have 12 games to get ready to play Alabama in the <laughs> SEC championship game and then one game to maybe fix their issues again before playing them in the national championship. Oh, man. Yeah, but I can't sell that, Stephen. i got to sell hope. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're trying to get you off of the old takes exposure. <laughs> but next on the docket here, of course, we've got Kentucky. Uh, man, expectations are just sky high in Lexington. This fan base, they think, uh, you know, if there is a year to knock off Georgia, we're getting them in Lexington late in the season. Uh, you know, there's some turnover, of course, on offense. Chris Rodriguez status, uh I hear he's going to be suspended coming out the gate, but Florida season, in week two, you know, that'd be interesting, right? If they don't have him, but not season threatening is is my understanding of of that situation. So uh, I don't know what thoughts on Kentucky. I mean, their fans hate when I say this, but the schedule lines up well, and and I don't look at that as Kentucky's not worthy. I look at it like this is an opportunity here to do something you've never done and possibly punch that ticket to Atlanta. Like you said, things would have to go wrong for Georgia, and a lot would have to go right for Kentucky. But I got no problem with Kentucky fans thinking this could be their year. They, they finally punch that ticket. Yeah, I, I think we have to start with what's been going on recently. I mean, they've won 10 games in two out of the last four years. I mean, if you go when I was you know just starting co watching college football, I mean, that would be almost unheard of for <laughs> Kentucky. So, I mean, they've they sort of reached a, a, a kind of not, not necessarily a floor – but they've elevated the program under Mark Stoops to where we just expect them to win, you know, eight games a year, go to bowl games. And, mm -hmm. you know, the schedule does set up well for them to make a run and to be a top 25 team. And I think maybe that's another sign of, of kind of the respect for Kentucky. They're losing Wondell Robinson. They're losing three great offensive linemen. And, and yes, they have replaced offensive linemen well. Uh, and they lost their offensive coordinator, Liam Cohen, not to right. mention defensive line, secondary. And yet we haven't picked in the top 25, and we think they could finish second in the SEC East. So certainly getting Georgia at home is a huge opportunity to try and make a statement in the East. I still think that this team is a few paces behind Georgia. Georgia just has too much talent. And also, again, you're asking them to lose two times, right. Georgia to lose twice in Kentucky to fill some of these question marks that we have. Now, how big of a concern with Kentucky is uh, receivers? I know they've, they've attacked the transfer portal. But not every, you know, there's only one Wondell Robinson. You know what I mean? It's, Absolutely. It's, it's going to be tough. Uh, I know they got the Robinson, another Robinson. Tavion Robinson from, from Virginia, Virginia Tech. Tech. Yeah. So he looked good. Dane Key, the true freshman. They, they got another guy out of Nashville, Brown, the true freshman. I mean, they've got guys that got promise. But, again, uh, how big of, a, of, of an issue is that? For Again, we're not talking Kentucky trying to reach six games and, and go to bowl because those, those players are more than confident can, can deliver that. We're talking – 10-win season, possibly, uh, level of concern that those players, uh, you know, will be a hindrance to that? It's a good question. I, I think the entire operation maybe is is to group in receivers. Uh, I think, obviously, Will Levis is one of the SEC's better quarterbacks. It's an incredibly deep year 
mm-hmm. for quarterbacks in the SEC, and I think you'd like to see him cut down on some of the interceptions. And Kentucky's turnover situation was really weird last year, as you and I have talked about right. uh, before. <laughs> and, and then to go 5-1, and one-score one games with a negative turnover margin is almost unheard of. Mm-hmm. I, I, I am curious to see how the coordinator – situation pans out Liam Cohen was so good at, at you know they averaged about 11 more points a game with last year compared to 2020 Scan Grinello comes over from the NFL it's supposedly going to be the same system maybe some tweaks in there so right. I, I think there's a there's a top-down concern of how does the new play caller three new offensive line starters and then the turnover at receiver as you mentioned I think Tavion Robinson will be an impact player I do think Wondell Robinson was a better player and pretty special all around uh, threat. So I, I I think Robinson plus Dane Key and some of those other guys are probably going to be fine at receiver. My greater concerns are offensive line and play caller. Mm-hmm. Now what about the defense? I mean, I, I know they're losing a lot on the defensive front, but man, they have just been stacking talent. And Kentucky's a program where they rarely, they don't play a lot of freshmen. So they bring a guy in, they develop him for two, three years, and then they hit the field. And this is going to be the most talented defensive line I think they've ever had doesn't mean it's going to be the best, but there's promise there. And I love the linebackers. They got, a, they got a group of experience, and they got a group of younger guys coming up. Again, maybe the most talented linebacking core in school history. But I, I do think there's a big question in the defensive backfield. Uh, they lost Corker. Vito Tisdale towards ACL in the spring, too. So right. they already so down one guy. There's issues there in the secondary. And the secondary was, you know, a little bit of a weakness last season. So uh, what's your level of concern given that, you know, it's great to have a great D-line and linebackers, but in today's game, when you're facing all these receivers, all these quarterbacks, like you mentioned, uh, secondary could cost you some games. Yeah, I mean, they, they've tried to bolster uh, the secondary through the transfer portal and bringing in some guys. I think they've improved their, their depth there as well. I think what's kind of interesting, to your point, the defensive front, they, it's, it's a new defensive front, but at the same time, there's a lot of talent coming in in on that group. So I think the secondary is probably my biggest concern about this defense. I also think it goes to what we were kind of talking about with Kentucky, that they've sort of just reached a floor where you just expect them to have a good defense. I mean, they've been in the top five in scoring defense the last couple years, did a really nice job last year of not giving up big plays and sort of limiting the damage. You can bend but don't break and and be uh, better in the red zone. The linebacker group is outstanding, man. It's one of the best in the SEC with Weaver and and Jones and, and Square and some of those other guys. So love the linebackers. I think they're going to be fine up front. I think the secondary might be the biggest concern, and especially when you face Richardson, Hendon Hooker, Stetson Bennett. Uh, that's the group that will probably determine just how far or you know where this team defense finishes in the SEC. What do you, we've already hit on Kentucky-Georgia, but what do you think is going to be the tougher game uh, going down to Gainesville? early in the season or later in the season at Tennessee? It's a great question, man. Um, I would say probably Tennessee. I think this Ooh. the the first game – I mean, I guess the the good for Kentucky is you're catching Florida in the season. Florida does have that element of surprise, mm-hmm. but they also play Utah in that first game. So you can't play the FCS thing of kind of hiding <laughs> and, you know, you don't have to show a lot. You have to show something to beat yeah. uh, Utah. So I think Kentucky will have a much better idea of what to expect from Florida – and because of all the new pieces at Florida and figuring things out, I think Tennessee is the second-best team in the East. I don't think the gap between Tennessee and Kentucky is very wide, but going to Knoxville, giving Tennessee time to reload uh, by the end of the year, I think I would say the Kentucky at Tennessee would be a little tougher. Good answer, Stephen. I like it. <laughs> you, you can stay. Cousin, cousin Shane probably approves <laughs> that one, doesn't he? 
Next team uh, in Athlon's magazine, Missouri. There's a lot to like about Missouri. You know, they're a weird program because two years ago they overachieved, and then everyone got on the bandwagon. And then I, last I will year, admit I was wrong about that. But, uh. <laughs> last year underachieved. Now everyone's oh, Drinkowitz. I don't know about him, even though he's recruiting at a at a record pace. And there's a lot to like about the Missouri. I love the receivers. They're young, but they're extremely talented. If they hit on a quarterback, I think this, you know, I got confidence in Drink to produce running backs. He's done it three years in a row. Just gets these guys that uh, have little to no fanfare and turns them into outstanding running backs. So I got confidence in that group. But uh, I don't know, where would you go with Missouri right now, in particular with this quarterback competition? Uh, you know, who do you think will be the guy there in Missouri? I like Brady Cook. I thought he played pretty well in the bowl game mm-hmm. against Army. Of course, you know, how much do you read into bowl performances? It may say something about how Missouri feels about its quarterback room when they were pursuing JT Daniels and others this offseason. Right. So I, I think there's certainly a level of concern or maybe uncertainty about the quarterbacks. But I, I love the receivers, too. I mean, Luther Burden, I think, is going to have a, a huge year. Uh, Toski Dove, too, end mm-hmm. up on our all-SEC team. Uh, the offensive line should be really good, too. Four starters are, are back from Missouri. But I think in the big picture, you know, to me, this team comes down to two things this year. It's quarterback situation and the defense. How far does both of, the, you know, both of those need to progress? And I, I think in the larger sense, I know they probably underachieved relative to expectations last year. I think Drinkowitz has got you – know, I think he's a good coach. I think they just need better players. I think that's the point. Yeah. You know, they, they just need more Luther Burns. They need more guys like that. Uh, to be able to go to that next level in the East, it doesn't help that Tennessee is getting better. Kentucky's, you know, at you know one of the the peaks of its uh, program, and of course Florida hiring Billy Napier. So I, I think Drinkowitz is going to be fine there, especially if he keeps recruiting top fifteen classes. Now they've got an interesting non-conference schedule too. Louisiana Tech, right out the gate. That's not one where, you know, you overlook Louisiana Tech. They'll they'll bite you in the ass. And then week two, this is a game I really wanted to ask you about, at Kansas State, September 10th. So, uh, you know, how do they match up against uh, the Wildcats? Old Big 12 uh, rivals getting back together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, Kansas State is a sleeper in the Big 12 this year. Uh, if you look at the Big 12, Baylor, Oklahoma, um, Oklahoma State probably going to get most of the preseason mm-hmm. favorite. Kansas State is very sneaky. They have Adrian Martinez, who's a transfer from Nebraska. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, been kind of a you know, he's been a good runner, a little bit inconsistent with turnovers and passing at times. But Deuce Vaughn is the player to watch. Right, in right. Kansas State, they've you know kind of a smaller running back, but all purpose. They are very good along the line of scrimmage. Uh, too should be solid on defense this year. I, I that is a game I think Kansas State will be favored in uh, this off season. Yeah. Now that you mentioned Deuce Vaughn, I remember. I mean LSU was playing with an arm tied behind their back but they did whip LSU for what that's yeah. worth so yeah that's that's an interesting game um I think I had a you had a Mizzou question here for you yeah this is interesting so I know the defense I mean they were god-awful to, to start the year and then basically in the middle of the year but at the end of the year they kind of started to put it together and according to Athlon you know I love the, the depth charts and everything are out there we got 11 seniors in the two deep on defense now that can be a great thing or that can be a bad thing right. <laughs> depending on how good those players are. But, you know, does that give you any confidence that maybe, uh, you know, with the, with so many seniors on the two deep that maybe this defense, uh, I don't I don't know, maybe the light clicked on at the tail when they fired their defensive line coach. Now, of course, they got Blake Baker, who I, I don't have a ton of respect for. But he was, he, yeah, he the second year of his tenure 
at Miami did not go well, and some right. of it probably wasn't his fault. He's he's a a younger coach who probably has learned a lot over the last mm-hmm. couple of years because he was coordinator at Louisiana Tech and Miami. I think play, to play devil's advocate for a second here, uh, Missouri played South Carolina and Florida down the stretch, and so I think you wonder how much of that was bad offenses, struggling teams. You know, Florida at that point of the season was kind of falling apart. How much of that improvement was to be believed or, you know, was just that the opponents were the main – But they also played Georgia, and they played they them did. really tough. Yeah. You know, they were just completely like, overmatched. And Arkansas, which led the SEC in rushing, uh, you know, they didn't, like, completely stop them. But and Army, too, in the bowl game, which is right, always so, I mean, a difficult – These matchup. are damn teams that love to rush the, yeah, run right. the ball. And they did, they did a little bit better there, so – I believe they were dead last in rushing, and then the last month they were fourth in the SEC, if I'm remembering my stats correctly. So, I don't know. If I'm a Mizzou fan, I think there's there's some optimism that the that maybe something has clicked there on the defense, which would be huge for them. Yeah, and you mentioned the experience. It's not only just experience. It's guys in the transfer portal. I think it's even if they aren't impact players, you need depth, especially right. in the SEC when you're going up against some of these teams. You know, Kentucky's going to have Rodriguez and some of the other backs that are in here to be able to stop the run. So I think the depth is better in this side of the ball. I think just a new approach is probably going to work because clearly what they were doing that first, you know, six, seven, eight games wasn't working. So if I was a Missouri fan, I'd be optimistic for improvement. I mean, you have that many guys coming back, that many seniors plus the transfers. There should be some improvement here. Maybe not to, to first, second, or third in the, <laughs> in the SEC. But if you're talking about the margins where this team is probably going to be, improvement there, better quarterback play probably gets them to – six wins and that that non-conference game at Kansas State is going to be really tricky to to navigate and you still have to go to uh to host Arkansas and crossover play as well all right next on the in the Athlon magazine we got South Carolina bingo yeah so hey there's a lot to like about Shane Beamer and everything they're doing in Columbia this is another one this is my favorite thing about the preseason Stephen. I, I try to hint at it but all these fan bases they they're all on cloud nine and I love it because they should be there's a lot to like about the improvements of these teams and no exception I mean we got South Carolina fans out here thinking they can win the east and yeah, who knows I mean if everything goes right I'm, I'm not picking them to win the east but they got Spencer Rattler now and I think that's a huge huge upgrade so what's your overall thoughts on on uh, the Gamecocks after they pulled a couple upsets they stunned the hell out of me winning the bowl game. I, I did not see that coming. Especially in the fashion that it did. I mean, right. They totally dominated North Carolina along the line of scrimmage. I, I think the positives for, for South Carolina is what you mentioned. At the end of the year, you know, trending up, trending in the right direction. So I, I think certainly that combined with the transfer portal addition says to me that this program is headed in the right direction. I, I like the Spencer Rattler pickup. I think, first of all, not everything at Oklahoma was his fault last year. You know, he – his yards per attempt uh, declined. The big plays weren't there. Some of that was offensive line. Some of that was the rushing game for Oklahoma was not as good as it was. So, so some of those things are on him, not all of it. He's got to be the most talented quarterback South Carolina's had in a long time, right? I Maybe mean, ever. Yeah, and not to mention you've seen the, the, the revolving door they had. It. I mean, they were probably trying to check and see if you and I had some eligibility <laughs> left at the end of the year. But, I mean, I think they are in a much better position uh, offensively and I would also say keep an eye on the receiver transfers. The you know mm-hmm. Wells from James Madison, Rucker from Arkansas State. That is a much deeper receiving core than they've had in the you know last year to go with Josh Van, uh, Jaheim Bell at tight end. The to me the interesting thing about South Carolina is 
we're going to spend all offseason talking about Spencer Rattler and all that. I still think the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball is really where this team is going to have to improve if they want to make that jump to join Tennessee and Kentucky mm-hmm. uh, in that middle of the SEC. And they also got uh, a transfer, I think his name's Reed, the, the defensive back, that a lot of people love that guy. I think he could be a true impact player. But let me ask you this, Stephen, a little going off the side here. What is one thing that Arkansas and Ole Miss had in common last season, aside from you know exceeding expectations, a big reason why, in my opinion, do you have any idea what I'm hitting at here? And it applies to South Carolina this upcoming year. I, I don't. You want to hit me with it? According to your magazine, 15 super seniors on South Carolina's roster. And I think we have proven in the short time that we've had these super seniors that you know, experience can beat talent. And you, you hit on I mean, no one is looking at South Carolina's roster and saying, well, this is the best roster in the East. We can't go that far. But last year, no one was saying that against Arkansas. No one was saying that about Ole Miss. And yet experience really won out for those two. So that's just another thing that I look at South Carolina and I think, Maybe we got something here. Yeah, n- no doubt about it. Not to mention, um, we've talked about the transfer pickups. I think also the second year of that coaching staff. Like, you know, the, the culture of that program, especially under Shane Beamer, seems to be very right. strong, and they seem to have a good thing going. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's the, – the, everything to me says South Carolina is trending in the right direction. I think they could be a better team this year, but it also might just be six, seven wins. It might not be to eight because of the schedule that they have to face and some of the question marks that they have on on super seniors specifically you and I talked about this last year and I do think teams are you know more veteran teams you're seeing it in the overall 131 if why teams are so uh, close together and trying to sort some of these out like the difference between 15 and 35 is probably pretty small because rosters are older transfer Mm -hmm. portal additions have uh, you know made teams it's it's a lot easier for teams to fill kind of gaps on their roster because of that. Now, let me ask you one final thing about South Carolina, Stephen. Tougher game here at Kentucky, October 8th, or home for Tennessee, November 19th, second to last game of the season. Man, you know, the interesting thing about the game against Tennessee is they they go to Florida the week before, and then they have to go to Clemson right. uh, the week after. So the end of the season is not easy, especially when you have – um, that rivalry, I'll have to stick, you know, I mean, I, man, it's a tough one because you're going on the road mm-hmm. to play Kentucky, but you also get Tennessee at home. Man, that's, that's like 50-50 of that <laughs> yeah. one. Um, I, I would probably still say Tennessee just because I think they're the better team. But, gotcha. you know, if I think if, if we're trying to project how South Carolina may get to seven, eight wins, like picking off Tennessee at home is one of those games right. they're probably going to have to get because I think winning on the road in Lexington, not impossible, but I think you'd like to get Tennessee at home at the end of the year. Right, and I mean, South Carolina fans, they've got Georgia and Clemson in their sights, but really, realistically, these are the teams. Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, that's got to be your focus right now, getting over that hill before you can get to the elite of the elite, which I know there was a time you owned Clemson and there was a time you go back and forth with Georgia, but, uh, you know, you got to climb that ladder before you can – get quite that that high you know what I mean yeah and you know I was just thinking as we're talking here they face Clemson Texas A&M uh and Georgia which are three of our top five in the country so at the end of the year we're going to South Carolina's fans and and uh, coaches should be able to tell us you know where these teams stack up nationally I mean it, it is a very uh difficult schedule it's also I mean it's life in the SEC it just how, right. it really isn't an easy schedule there's some easy crossovers some year but when you play at Arkansas 
host Texas A&M. I mean, that's probably one of the tougher crossovers in the East. So I think it gets at kind of the point I think you and I are, are probably getting at here, which I think South Carolina is getting better. I just don't know that they end up being 8-4, 9-3. and, four, nine and three. If they do, it's probably because Spencer Rattler really hits and that offensive line improves, and same thing for their defensive front. Mm-hmm. All right, next. Best for next to last, Tennessee. According to Athlon here, I mean, hell, a lot to like about Tennessee. Overshot expectations, dropped the bowl game, unfortunately. But still, I mean, with Hendon Hooker back, with Tillman back, with, uh, you know, four or five starting offensive linemen back, this could be the best offense in the SEC with Josh Heupel and the, the tempo he like. We'll we'll see how many – they may set a record for fake injuries they face this year because that's going to be the only way to slow them down. Uh, thoughts on Tennessee? I know you, you already got them as the second-best team projected in the East. Yeah, I think optimism should be very high at Tennessee. Um, we have heard that before, but I think there's <laughs> – Every reason. three years. Yeah, every three years. <laughs> I, I think the question that I have with the offense is, I mean, Hendon Hooker was so good last year. He led the SEC in yards per attempt uh, over in, in SEC-only games last year. Uh, Cedric Tillman uh, going to be even better this year, I think. The questions for me at Tennessee, the offensive line has got to play a little bit better and not to mention filling out those two and three receiver spots. I still am on the Jalen Hyatt uh, uh, breakout train once again yeah. this year uh, for maybe like the third year in a row. <laughs> but I, I, you just see the impact of last year for Tennessee. I mean, they averaged you know, with 21 points a game to 39. They led the SEC in plays of 40-plus after having just three the year before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, to me, the optimism is definitely on offense, and I think the question is, like, what's the next step for that offense? Like, can these new pieces that are stepping in the second year – can that take Tennessee up another notch? So uh, statistically, it may be hard to average 40-something points a game, but if they do, then you're talking, okay, we've only got a main four. Maybe they need to be a little bit higher if they can reach that level plus some improvement on defense. Now, what's a bigger question mark for the Vols for you? Offensive tackle? I believe they they led, if you want to call it, or, or they had the most sacks forty-four, yeah, in the SEC, or defensive backfield, which – uh, their their best player got drafted in the NFL in the in the second round, I believe, out of, out of Alante Taylor. So, uh, and, and they got toasted by a lot of good SEC teams, and they got toasted in the bowl game. So Theo Jackson also gone too for them. Well, yeah. of course, another draft pick. So your two best players gone out of the the backfield. So what's the bigger question for you, the the, the offensive tackle or defensive backfield? It's a great question because I think obviously you know you have to protect Hendon Hooker. Uh, right. I think also I think Tennessee's depth along the line of scrimmage, especially on offense, needs to continue to Im- improve. I would still pick the defense, though, just because I think when, you know, studying Tennessee over the last couple of years, you know, and, and watching some of these teams when they were at the top of the SEC, like how many difference makers do they have on defense? I mean, mm-hmm. they had just, you know, waves of them. And, you know, it's like you start looking at this year with Young and Barron and Banks. Like those guys are on our all-SEC team. And, and I think somebody will emerge out of the secondary but at the same time, like Tennessee needs more guys. They need more difference makers on that side of the ball, and that will help them close the gap uh, to Georgia and some of these other teams in there. So I, w- I think based upon the fact that Tennessee struggled so much in the SEC on defense, in, in SEC games, giving up 200 rushing yards, over 30 points a game, I'd be worried more about the defense right now. Now, one measuring stick game, right, not right out the gate, week two at Pitt. They lost to Pitt last season. What can you tell us about Pitt? I know there's a lot of transition, but how do they match up against the Vols this year? A little bit different Pitt team this year. They lost Kenny Pickett to the NFL. Jordan Addison, the standout receiver, transferred to USC. 
the strengths of Pittsburgh, uh, five offensive line starters back, should be one of the better groups in the ACC. The defense is very good, too, strong on the defensive front. And at quarterback, it could be Keaton Slovis, the USC transfer. So the mm-hmm. cupboard isn't bare at Pitt. I know they lost a lot in Pickett and Addison. I still think they're very good. So I, I, I would, I'm picking Tennessee to win that game, uh, but I would say it's probably it's not going to be an easy game still because Pitt is still very good along the line of scrimmage and defensively they can cause some problems for Tennessee. Is that and then is that just a team that's it's kind of hard to pre- predict what they are because I've had a guy on recently, a, a Vegas insider. He said he even though the line favors Tennessee, he's betting Pitt. And then I've had Dave Bartu on the line. He says Pitt's the most overrated team in the country. So it's like I don't know who to believe on this one. Yeah, I, I think it goes kind of at the the environment of college football right now, which is the transfers. Like, I mean, you watch Keaton Slovis at USC. He was great as a freshman. He was inconsistent after. And, you know, the 2020 season was so weird and scrambled some of our statistics and some of these things that I, I don't really know, you know, what to believe <laughs> on some of these, you know, things. Right. Like. So I, I think we have him in the top 25. We Our magazine went to press before Jordan Addison officially decided to leave Pitt. We may have lowered – hit a few spots I still think they're somewhere eight and four nine and three type of team this year so it's just safe to say this is not going to be a layup for Tennessee right that, that's the point I was getting at yeah I, I don't I, I think if I had to pick right now and you ask me I would take Tennessee but I do think that that's still a very dangerous game for for Tennessee even though that Pitt's losing the first round quarterback and Jordan Addison now what do you think will be the tougher game for the Vols Florida at home which is beating them like 19 out of 20 unfortunately or Next, the very next week at LSU, because these are, these are swing games right here, Stephen. Uh, you know, Death Valley, it's going to be tough. They're going to have two weeks to prepare for it, though. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on that? I would go at LSU. I think LSU is one of those teams that's going to get better from week one to week 12 um, because of the coaching staff and some of the talent they still have in the program. Not to mention, I think if you're Tennessee and you're looking at that schedule and you go, we got to beat Florida in the East. We, know, we get them at home, but everything sets up. And then, oh, you got to go on the next week on the road to go um, uh, to Death Valley and play LSU. And then, of course, Alabama's coming up right after that. So a very difficult stretch of games, but I would say at LSU would be my pick. Okay. All right, then last but not least here, we got Vanderbilt in the Athlon Magazine here. Uh, you know, clearly uh, – I mean, it's been a rough go of it, but what's your thoughts on Clark Lee? I mean, I was stunned when they dropped the opener against ETSU. I mean, it looked like this guy might be in over his head. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. But I honestly thought Vanderbilt got a lot tougher as the season progressed. They won some close games. Thank thank God they got uh, the Alabama kicker transfer because yeah. he won two games for them. They have good special teams this year. They got a punter from Florida Atlantic who's good. So. Hey, there you go. And they nearly knocked off South Carolina. So, uh, I mean, there's there's reason for some optimism. Do you think this is going to continue to go in the right direction year two under Clark Lee? I think the the biggest thing we should take away from Vanderbilt is when we listened to Clark Lee last offseason, you know, he was talking about uh, it was a 10-year plan mm-hmm. for the program. This is not an overnight turnaround at all. Right. And I think it, it's – you know, not to just to, to use brick by brick here or anything <laughs> to bring up any bad memories for you, Mike. Uh, but I, I think it, it's it's about finding pieces for the future, 2023 and 2024. They have two interesting quarterbacks in Mike Wright and Ken Seals. They have some skill talent too. McGowan, the freshman, is really interesting to go with uh, Davis at running back. I think line of scrimmage is a concern for Vanderbilt. Like just talent, mm-hmm. just depth, got to be better there. I think the biggest reason for optimism is it's the second year under this coaching staff. And I think, as you said, you know, they were getting better at times last year. Can they build on it 
this year. And I think the second year of the staff, with another year to recruit, they've brought in a good class. Like, you could see some improvement. So we, we do not have them winning a game in SEC play. They have a tricky non-conference schedule when you go to Northern Illinois, who's our projected MAC champion, and you go to Hawaii in the first game of the year. But I think if they can be more competitive in the SEC, even if they don't win a game, I think that's still a, a good sign for the future uh, for Vanderbilt. And do you think this defense will, will just, you know, obviously have a, a bigger Clark Lee uh, imprint on it in year two? And, and I know, you know, they made strides there, but pass rush was just a huge, huge issue. Do you think they can manufacture some of that more this in year two? Yeah, I think they can. I think overall the defense should be better. Now, better might be just you know giving up 30 points a game as opposed <laughs> to close to 40 in SEC play. Right. But that would be a good sign because then all of a sudden, you know, Vanderbilt's a little bit closer to the pack in the SEC. And you start looking at a guy like Kane Patterson who transferred in from mm -hmm. Clemson should be someone who can help out a lot. Uh, but I think the broader point, and I think you were kind of hinting at it there, is stopping the run, pass rushers. Um, those are things you can only just recruit your way out of, and it just may take Vanderbilt some time to get those kind of talent and bodies that they need. So I would expect general improvement out of this Vanderbilt defense, but maybe not marked improvement this year. And I mentioned the the you know opening season loss to ETSU last year. This year you mentioned it, Hawaii right out the gate, but as I understand it, Hawaii is a train wreck this off season. So I mean. What's your thoughts on Vanderbilt? I know it's a long trip, but do you expect them to to win if they play up to their standard? Yeah, I do. You probably remember Timmy Chang. Who, oh yeah, he was very. Uh, <laughs> you know, he was a great uh, player to have on NCAA football back in the yeah. day. Uh, he's now the head coach. You know, former record-setting quarterback. I think that's if this is played at Vanderbilt. I don't think we're even like worried about like any kind of weird stuff happening. But Hawaii plays on campus now. It's a smaller stadium. Um, it's a long trip out there, the first game of the season. You don't really know what Hawaii is because they have so many new faces. They were an absolute mess under uh, Todd Graham, but it's a new staff. They've got some transfers coming in. They've got some turnover. They're just a hard team to, to get a read on. But if Vanderbilt plays, I think, you know, like they did last year in some of those games, you know, South Carolina, maybe some of those others, they should be fine. So let's break down where Athlon's got the East here wanted to ask you a question or two off that but of course I mean you you noted it already Georgia number one in the east undefeated in conference play uh, I mean is there anything you could see tri tripping them up I don't think so <laughs> I think they're a clear number one in the in the east and I think the question is how you know what's the gap between Georgia and Alabama it's not very big but you know, as we were talking about, they have basically 12 games to get ready for showdown number one, uh, part three between these two teams over the last two years. So I, if if any, if there's any concern about Georgia, you know, I guess you could maybe go, well, the defense maybe just isn't as good as we think. But I don't know, man. But the, some of those guys like Jalen Carter <laughs> stepping in, they're going to be just fine on that side of the ball. Now, basically two, three, and four, I mean, pick any order. You got, We got Tennessee number two, Kentucky number three, Florida number four, but all – projected to have a 4-4 four and four conference record. So safe to assume I could talk you into Florida being 2 and Tennessee being 4 or Kentucky being 4 or Kentucky being 2. I mean, we could put these in any order, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think this gets at what um, we were talking about just a little bit ago is when I was doing the 131, you get to a point in there where it's 15 through 35 or 40 or pretty much the same. You know, you change one win or two here or there, and all of a sudden somebody who was 27th is now closer to 15. It feels like that's where it's going to be very volatile in college football. There's going to be a lot of great games out of that mix. 
But I think any of those teams, two through four, could finish second, and any of those could finish fourth. I don't think they're separated by much as you know, as we have in our projected records. They should all be five and three, four and four and four types. And then right there, you got South Carolina, number five, uh, with a three and five conference record. Uh, is the gap very wide between them and uh, Florida, Kentucky, Tennessee? I think there's a little bit of separation. I don't think a ton. I think much of uh, what South Carolina is to join that group, if Spencer Rattler is as good as potentially we think, then maybe there is a fourth team in that mix. You know, South Carolina's gotten some top 25, top 30 consideration by, by some this offseason. We've got them in the top 50. So I, I don't think there's a ton of separation. But I think if you had to tear them off, Georgia – in a tier of its own, then the next three, and then South Carolina. And, and how far off is Missouri from the pack? You've got number six and uh, two and six in conference play. I think they're a pace or two behind South Carolina. I, I still think South Carolina is in a much better position at, at the you know much better quarterback. They're in a much better spot with Spencer Rattler transferring in and the uncertainty from Missouri. I think also South Carolina's defense in a little bit better spot too. So I, I think South Carolina slightly – uh, ahead of uh, Missouri in terms of just team strength this year. And then, of course, so then Vanderbilt seven. And Now, I would assume, you know, I was going to ask you, Stephen, which of these predictions you're most confident in? I, I got to assume it's Georgia one and Vanderbilt seven. So that naturally leads to which one of these are you least confident that uh, where Athlon's got these teams projected that a team will finish? I would say somewhere in the two through four order. Like if you told me Kentucky finished second, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, we debated Kentucky and Tennessee um, quite a bit. I think we have Missouri at five and seven. Wouldn't surprise me if they found a way to get to six and six. Vanderbilt, we do not have winning an SEC game. You know, if I think if you play the odds, they'll probably win one just because it's really hard to keep. Right. You know, at some point you'll probably break break through. So I think if if we're going to be wrong about this, I think it is that two through four range. Now you get next to that you got games to watch. Uh, I don't want to break down all these or anything, but is there a one or two that uh, I'm thinking specifically SEC East matchups that you're you, you know you think will be the game of the year in the East, or maybe just personally ones you're most looking forward to a game or two that stands out to you that you're like I cannot wait for this Saturday to sit down and all watch of them. These. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think let's start with the, the two through four trio. I mean, just seeing what happens when Kentucky goes to Tennessee. That game was so crazy right. last year, and these teams were so close in our top 25 this year that that matchup is one I want to see because if we're going to be wrong, it's probably going right. to be as a result of, of that one. So I think it's the, the crossover between Florida, Kentucky, and Tennessee, just seeing those matchups because of how competitive they could be in the – in the um, I think college football fan to me, just the the Jacksonville experience with mm -hmm. Florida and Georgia and Georgia has just been so dominant last year and giving you know Billy Napier half of a season like is Anthony Richardson by that point ready to take off and so I think that just the the rivalry and the history of Florida and Georgia and just seeing where Florida is compared to Georgia at that point of the year will be exciting. And just speaking to that. Hey, things do line up for Kentucky, but it is tricky because they got at Tennessee, at Florida. So, man, it, you're going to have to overcome. It's good to have a senior quarterback that a lot of people love because without Will Levis, I don't think Kentucky stands a chance in those games. Absolutely. Yeah, I think having a quarterback like him is is so crucial to Kentucky because, as, as you remember, 
how many times you know is Kentucky with under Eddie Grant in previous years just struggled so much right. in the passing game and last year hiring Liam Cohen bringing in Will Levis and now the passing game and, and whole operation jumps forward so uh, you know when you look at those three teams you know Tennessee's got Hendon Hooker Florida's got Anthony Rich and like all these quarterbacks have high upside and I think that also adds the intrigue if you add in Spencer Rattler uh, for for South Carolina it's very deep in the SEC at quarterback this year. I think it's going to make for an exciting race. All right, so just want to say thanks once again to Steven for joining the show. And, of course, if you missed that little segment there at the beginning, we're going to get the other seven teams in the SEC on the next episode, do a little West recap tomorrow. But, uh, man, I think Steven knocked it out of the park. This was one of the best interviews we've ever done, maybe the best one. And, uh, you know, this guy truly is an encyclopedia of college football knowledge. And just, you know, he came totally prepared. I didn't ask him any of these questions before we sat down. Uh, no notes required. He's just spit, spitting out all this incredible knowledge at us. So just very grateful for Steven. Give that man a follow at Athlon Steven and check out uh, his YouTube page. Again, you can find links to all that in the show notes as well as a link to purchase the Athlon Sports College Football Preview Magazine. If you don't have one yet, it's my go-to college football magazine. So get on out there, help Steven out by getting you an Athlon Preview uh, via the Athlon Store or wherever you get your magazines today. But that's going to do it for this episode of the show. We'll catch you on the next one.